Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Taylor Hawkins, who is the drummer for Foo Fighters, and also a whole lot more a frontman, a songwriter, a real flag bearer for whatever was left of the spirit of rock and roll, a true fan, died at the age of 50, and the outpouring from his fellow musicians and fans has really been overwhelming. He meant a lot to a whole lot of people, incredibly charismatic and talented guy. Just the fact that he more than held his own as the drummer for Dave Grohl's band for so many years says it all. Foo Fighters have canceled all their tour dates. The world is waiting to hear about the cause of Taylor's death. There's a lot of mystery there. Last year, I was reporting a Foo Fighters cover story, and I went to Taylor's house, hung out with him for a while. He had this rock and roll clubhouse on his property in the guest house behind a swimming pool. Just this incredible sort of teenage rock fan's dream. It was also a studio. He had these collages made from old Cream magazine covers. There were posters everywhere. He had these custom drum heads on the wall with pictures of his rock and roll heroes. There was one poster that Roger Taylor, the drummer of Queen, who was one of his biggest heroes, had given him. It advertised a Roger Taylor solo album. Taylor Hawkins loved rock and roll as much as anyone I've ever met. Just a really memorably great guy. He did his entire interview shirtless and barefoot, just wearing board shorts. On the afternoon of that interview, a Foo Fighters club show was looming for that night. It was their first real show since the pandemic had started. We started off by talking about how Taylor's son has become a huge Nirvana fan. And from there, Taylor traced his whole time in the Foo Fighters and more. So now that he loves Nirvana, I texted Dave. He didn't text me back, of course. But uh, Grohl, I was like, I can love Nirvana again. I couldn't because you were in the band and that's weird. It's kind of like watching your parents have sex and like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's your life. I'm not going to talk about your life before I knew you. It's kind of right. weird. And right, 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 right. I mean, he knows I respect that. And I, I do think that they were the Beatles of alternative rock by, right. without a doubt. And now I can like watch those videos with my son and we can like be like, God, they were so fucking badass. I'm really nervous about tonight, you know? Still having a hard time playing certain songs again. Really? Oh, yeah. yeah. I have major on stage or stage fright, major, major, major. What, what? Like today is like, I'm in hell right now, but I'm just, we're okay. <laughs> yeah. Like the last year and a half, other than watching the world crumble on the news, um, I've been on the road for 28 years. So I say this with a heavy heart for the rest of the people that fucking, and I was glad I could keep people, some help my family and everyone, make sure everyone was okay. That's been, the, that's been such a fucking blessing. But I've been on the road 28 years, Yeah, literally. So I had a year and a half off of this feeling I have today, which is like walking up the stairs to the bungee jumping fucking thing, you know what I mean? That's our band. That's how I feel every time. It's easy to make light of that, but that's a big part of Eddie Van Halen was abusing substances because 
Oh, because he was fucking scared, dude. Yeah. yeah. Scared. Just scared. I still just, i not having a good day. Yeah. I feel like everything on my body is wrong. My leg doesn't feel right and all that kind of shit. Like all these kind of crazy psychosis kind of things that you go through um, to get yourself prepped enough just to play a little club show. For some reason, um, Rope, because I sing and play drums on it, I sing and play drums on a lot of stuff, just background vocals, but because that's a kind of a duet in the verses. Um, and the groove has got that weird It just, for some reason, my brain and my mouth and my leg and my hands are not, they're not talking to each other correctly. Like the computer has a glitch right there like i need to go to the smart bar and get that fixed somehow and a lot it's funny because i was talking to cameron about that this morning because we talked uh, and because he's like you're doing a show fuck what the fuck i'm like i know and um he goes are you stoked i'm like i don't know i'm scared actually that was really nice not doing anything <laughs> it's nice being a loser for a year and a half yeah. <laughs> it really was I i'm really happy that dave doesn't dave used to freak out about stuff like that but he doesn't anymore he really got over that Freak, freak out in what sense that you're fucking up, you mean? Or, uh, no, not me. Uh, him. Like his stage. Like he used to get bad, pretty bad nerves as well. He just drinks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which helps too, I'm sure. I can't do that and play drums. I can't do that. So you have to be totally sober? like in order to Oh my God, dude. You see what I do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Uh, yeah, for good results. Yeah, I mean, some people can, some people are fine, you know. Some people, yeah, but uh, I, I just don't. Yeah, I don't. But certainly, like, like weed affects your perception of time. Oh my god, it. dude, that would be the worst. I've made that mistake before, dude. Back in the day, back in the '90s, like I'm gonna, you know, because when you're in high school, you sit in your jam room with all your buddies and you get fucking baked and you do bong rips and you jam out to fucking Zeppelin songs or Jane songs or Police songs or fucking whatever and. You write your songs and you're all tripped out and wow, so trippy and all that. And you, you don't want that on stage. I don't know motherfuckers who can't. Some people do. And yeah, more know. power to them. Yeah. But fuck that shit. <laughs> fuck that shit. So, yeah, no. So, yeah, are I'm are you, are petrified you, right now. Yeah. Are you totally sober or just when you're playing? Like, like, uh, I don't know. I want to go into all that. I, I just lead a really healthy lifestyle. You know? I don't... I've been down that road with people so much and it's been like a thing that kind of been an arc of my life so much it's like my story in the band almost sometimes is my big fucking fuck up in london 20 years ago that i just you feel like people get it already <laughs> like, yeah i don't talk about i don't talk about it you know my son reading it listen for anyone who out there who has problems in their fucking life is a mess yeah i get it and um you know my life has been there plenty of times so I get it. I just, you know, I want that to be the centerpiece of my story. But basically just you, whatever you're doing, you're healthy. Like you're healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly. Do I look okay to you? Yeah, look. <laughs> good, man. Was yeah. I playing drums okay yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was I singing okay yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I'm good. Yeah. I, got, I got the message, which was very important, you know. And, um, you know, I'm lucky. I'm just lucky that I did get the message at the right time. So, yeah, I'm healthy. I'm good. I just found out from my doctor at all my blood tests, my heart, everything checked. And he goes, dude, you're 
in amazing shape. They did the heart thing because your heart's big because you exercise a lot. It's like a runner's heart. He goes, but, and that's fine. He goes, the only thing is, I got to be honest, dude. And he's kind of a little bit of a cross-Western homeopathic doctor. He's fucking great. And he said, um, I think you have sleep apnea. Your anxiety about shows, has it just been the same amount? Like, always. Years, it's always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, always. He said, yeah, last night, it's about disappointing yourself. So, like, where does that... I just, I have this idea of perfection in my head as how it should be. <laughs> the dynamic of the band has changed over the years. I mean, when we were younger, we kind of, you know, it was... Dave's like, sir, like he's like, you know, I just, whatever Dave says is good with me. I'm fine. But when we were younger and I was just like, you know, we gotta fucking be good. We gotta be a fucking arena rock band. We can do it. Um, and Dave already did it in Nirvana without even thinking about it. And the Foo Fighters were getting there, but it really was important to me that we, you know, maximize our potential as a live band and come up with cool endings and things like that. And that's when... Um, it was already happening. Dave was already getting there, but like I definitely was like, we gotta practice more. We gotta practice more. We gotta practice more. We gotta have better lights. We gotta do that. We gotta do that. You know, we gotta make it a show. You know, and that's me. You know, I come from Queen and Van Halen and stuff, and as well as the Police. So, and Dave comes from that too, just in a different way. You know, we all do. Honestly, well, maybe you helped unlock. I don't know. Uh, but I would. I wouldn't say. I would never take. Uh, full responsibility or any major responsibility. Dave's obviously a brilliant human being. And, you know, the reason we're here kicking is because work ethic is a big part of it. I mean, Pat, we're remembering that you're saying we got to be good. We got, we can be better, you know? Yeah. I mean, and, and we did watch, we had the, the, the queen live in Montreal VHS. Maybe it was a DVD by then. I don't remember. It was with that chili peppers tour. Which is really when we became, that's like when, I'm like, uh, what should the lighting rig be like? I'm mean, gonna just showed him this record. I said, it should be just like this. Clean left yards, yeah. Just like that. Right, totally. Exactly yeah. like that. Right. And we showed up, and the chili peppers were nice enough, and our friends, but they were like, you guys just do what you want, do your own production, and we'll yeah. do ours. And it's not a co headliner. The chili peppers were the headliners, but we were definitely, you know, right. helping out, sell a few tickets here and there. And we showed up to pre-production and they saw that. And they were like, what the fuck? And Chad Smith's looking at me like, you fucking son of a bitch. I'm like, does it look like anything to you? <laughs> fucking queen, you took queen's lighting ring. I'm like, yes, we did. And then we had like dry ice here in Everlong and shit like that. Like a, like a rush dry ice moment. And I'm like, and all of it, you know, with us is tongue in cheek. But everything with queen was tongue in cheek, you know? So yeah, we started watching that thing. And, Dave went from, Dave really just, all of us have, I mean, I've developed, but Dave, and Dave just he continues to develop in every way. How did Dave react when you were saying we can be good, we can be better? Well, we were just younger. Yeah. So it was like, it was actually a conversation. I wouldn't have that conversation now. You know, um, it, it, we were just younger. We were doing good, but we weren't where we are now. And we couldn't, certainly couldn't play arenas. We couldn't do that until one by one. It was the first time that we went to England and Australia and could play arenas. 
and then um, so sometimes, sometimes in the UK, and not in America. Really, we could do like a couple Universal amphitheaters on one by one. Was when we started. It just started. We kind of were working our way up there. It's not a rock and roll fucking conversation, dude. It really isn't, and it's not punk rock. And I'm not trying, and I never tried to be. I let those guys be punk rock. They're fine. They can handle the punk rock side. That's good. I mean, I love the Sex Pistols, and I love the Clash. And I love Bad Brains, and I love Jane's Addiction, and I like, you know, things that I love post-punk stuff, I love the police, I love all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I have that energy. I just don't, I'm, I wasn't one of those guys like trading Black Flag, you know, uh, records. You just come from a different place, yeah. Yeah, I grew up in Laguna Beach where everyone was listening to reggae. <laughs> so I was like... So I just hide my Van Halen records and Queen records and stuff like that. You know, it was like the preppy era time period. Um, and Orange County was very fucking beach volleyball fucking, you know, uh, the police. That was fine. I love the English beat and I love madness and I love the specials. So how did that conversation go? Because again, you were coming I don't from- remember. It was so long ago. <laughs> I just think he was probably like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But um, like, I'm like his little brother. So like, uh, I mean, I'm sure I didn't like really bend his ear that much, you know, I'm sure he was like, oh, okay. Um, but I think when we get on stage together, that it just naturally, naturally we become hams, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and I'm fucking goofing around and he's goofing around and we push each other in that department, not push each other like in a negative way, but in a more like, you know, let's take it to the next level. Let's see how far, how far can you go in this jam. I mean, there's times when we get in jams, and it's a lot, a lot like The Who, a lot like Keith Moon and Pete Townsend. When he has his guitar, and I'm on the drums, and me and him do one of our fucking, you've seen him. Yeah, yeah. One of our epic drum rhythm guitar battles where he's playing drums on the guitar, basically, and I'm playing drums, and everyone else is kind of going, okay, <laughs> see where they go. Um, those are great moments. So yeah, he's, he gets it. He, he loves Led Zeppelin. He loves all that stuff, but you know, um, and he loves Queen. He loves everything I love, but you know how it is. Again, I do feel like you helped open a doorway. Our manager would never agree. You know, everyone else likes punk rock. Well, you are listening to Winger. <laughs> I'm listening to Winger, asshole. <laughs> I love Silva. He's fucking, he's a good, he's the best in the business. He is the best in the business. As you can see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to listen to him, too, yeah. you know? But he listens to Dave. Dave almost, like, co-managed the band. Because Dave, a lot of times people are like, God, you guys have such fucking, your, your promotion tactics are so fucking amazing. You just must have the best management in the world. I'm like, well, we do. But we also have Dave, whose mind never stops. He thinks of, like, how each album can be an event in some way, right? I mean, if you think about it, it, start, it started with the videos. Right. Like each video should be an event. Should be either really funny or something interesting, you know, like make a moment. And then they all don't, they always don't all fly, no pun intended. But when they do, like learn to fly, or when they do, they create, they just, they create a more multimedia effect, just like, you know, whatever it was. And now that people don't watch videos anymore, really necessarily. Um, I think it was just a natural sort of move in that direction. Plus, it's just, at the end of the day, it's just another... It's like Dave loves to grill. The reason, love, the reason Dave loves to grill 
is because there's a beginning and a middle and an end to the project. And he's very, very focused when he is focused on what he wants to do. So like when we make an album, he shows up with the charts. These are the song ideas. Here's some demos, blah, 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 blah. You know, let's work our way at it. You know, it's all very well prepared and well thought out and well and well constructed. And it's because it's just like when he does barbecue for 75 people and he doesn't mind that he doesn't get any sleep for 30 hours. He's fine and sits there and smokes grits and fucking, and, and, you know, text and fucking, you know, tech, check the beef every fucking half an hour or whatever, you know? People's all nighters to barbecue? Oh, dude. You don't know about that? I know the barbecues, but I didn't know. No, dude, it's literally 30 hours. He stays up for 30 hours sometimes without drugs. Well, you know, uh, nicking. But yeah, no, without drugs, maybe, maybe a little bit of booze or whatever. But no, he's, he's, he's a fucking beast. He is a beast. There is, you can't, there's no competing. You won't win. (laughs) can't compete with Dave. He's, now, did, now, he's did you winner. have to learn that? You know, yes, I yeah. did. <laughs> yes, I did. Because I was a loudmouth kid, you know, and I was like, I have ideas, I have ideas. And finally, I just went, you know what? You have the best ideas. And if you want an idea, you'll let me know. And when he wants an idea, like he's, when he said, like the last album, he's like, hey, got this song, Sunday Rain. I want Paul McCartney to play drums on it. I want you to sing it and write it. Here's the music. Here's a little bit of a melody idea if you want it. And I did. And it was, I mean, that's what, dude, I have a song on a Foo Fighter record with me singing my lyrics, putting my eagles and queen harmonies all over it with Paul McCartney playing drums. Right. I have my own wings song. Right. Because of Dave. Right. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I noticed with Dave, it's the best way to work with him. And, I've, and even when we're writing songs, um, you know, I just try not to say too much anymore. And I don't want to get in the way of his process. And when I do really think I have an idea of something and he is stumped on something, which is very rare, um, I may say, hey, maybe this. Every once in a while it flies and sometimes like, no, I don't like that. Okay, and I don't get butt sore about it, and, and I move on, and I come back to my mansion next to the Kardashians, and I make fucking records with my goofball friends that nobody gives a fuck about. 
How long did it take to come to that very hard? Oh, it was, you know, it was a real moment. Um, it was when we were doing um, Coachella, and he was playing with Queens of the Stone Age. Right. And it was this moment. Which was right after that fight. Yeah, right about all that shit, you know. Um, it was a pivotal moment in the band's career, and it was definitely a make-or-break moment. And we were, hadn't finished one by one because it wasn't going so good. I was still coming out of my fog from London and I was still coming out of my fog from thinking that like, you know, this is, should be a complete democracy. And we had, an, we were doing Coachella and, um, we had a big argument cause I had been just being a fucking smart ass and know it all thinking I know it was right. And he just fucking said, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, this is how it is. It's my fucking band. If you don't like it, fucking beat it. And I went, all right, I quit. <laughs> And then, but we still had to do Coachella. And I really was like, and he was just looking at me like, yeah, sure you do. <laughs> and um, I came in the next day, that's fine. I don't want to, I'm not going to be anywhere. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Okay, we're going to do this Coachella show. And we have to do that. And we have to finish a couple songs. We have to finish All My Life and we got to write a couple more. I have a week in DC. We're going to do that. And then I have to go do a Queens of Stone Age tour. And that is after the Coachella thing. So I showed up to Coachella. I finally went and saw him play in Queens of Stone Age because at first I thought, you know, you're making them a big band. He was. Right. And, and then I also had to deal with the fact that, you know, oh, there's the best drummer in the world again. And I'm Drumming again, fucking, yeah. you know, I'm the douche little dumb shit behind him that just fucking does whatever I'm told or whatever and plays, tries to play ever long as good as him. And I can't. And, um, and I went and watched him play with Queens, and it meant a lot to him. And um, I didn't know it at the time, really, but yeah. it did. And um, he said before, he never said that to me, because we don't have those kind of conversations. It'd be uncomfortable and weird. But <laughs> he, it meant, I think it meant a lot to him. And, um, you know, and I may be revising this. He may feel totally different about this, but um, this is my reality. And um, then we played that next night. And he was a front guy again, and we fucking killed it. And we were amazing. And we started the set with All My Life, which no one had ever heard. And, um, and after the show, we just, I remember going for a walk with him and him going, We're going to go back to Virginia and we'll finish this record. And then we're going to go on tour and we're going to be a band. It's going to be awesome. Another week with the Queens of the Stone Age. It is what it is. Just let's do this. We got to Virginia, and me and Dave recorded that whole record in five days. Wow. I mean, and then they, we brought it back here, and Dave went on tour. Nate redid his bass. Shifla did some leads and some other guitar things. I did some percussion while he was on tour with Queens of the Stone Age. And then it was, and we had One by One, which, you know, um, is a sound of a band crawling, clawing for their life. You can't fuck with all my life in times like these, though. Right. I mean, those are two of our biggest songs ever. Right. So it's not the best sounding record we ever made. It's definitely kind of hard on the ears. It was one of those times when everything was louder. Who can be louder? Right. Remember that period, the mastering of 2000? Like still bitching two. About it, dude. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> so All My Life still pops on the radio. And I still think Dave knew that. I think, because I remember getting that record going, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound right. Dave's like, it sounds fine. I'm like, okay. All right, you're right. It sounds fine. Okay. Why does low sound so weird on in my car? But then you hear all my life and times like these on the radio and you're like, 
especially all my life, times like these is something that's grown over time, but um, in different versions, et cetera. But all my life still sounds, that's one of our biggest songs. Right. And it still sounds killer on the radio today. <laughs> He was right again. Yeah, <laughs> to somewhere he knows what's right for the Foo Fighters. So somewhere in there, like after the show, after the album, you you came to like oh dude, I, after we did that, yeah, and then started playing our first headlining at Reading Festival, and that's when the fun began. That is really, and that album was where I could figure out how to be myself in the Foo Fighters on a record. I did all the drums on that record. Nothing left to do is lose. I did half the drums. I was still figuring out how to record. How, do, how does that work when there's half the drums on one side? I'll tell you. That's a whole other story, you know? I mean, um, you know, William tried to record drums for the second record. We all know it didn't work out for various reasons. He just wasn't really ready. And, um, and so, but Dave didn't fire. Dave said, I want you to stay in the band. Right. And he didn't. And that's all on him. Um, Dave feels bad about the way it happened. He's expressed it plenty of fucking times. But I feel bad, you know, that Dave gets the... Dave, you know, he shouldn't be demonized for that because he, all he was trying to do was make sure that his band could still exist. And the version that they had, he knew wasn't good enough. And I was so scared when we went to go do Nothing Left to Lose. I had red light fever so bad. Well, because you knew. Uh, because the last guy fucking, you know. <laughs> so how am I going to make it through this? And I didn't know how to. And the, and the producer, Adam Casper, was like, oh, can't Dave just play drums? I could just hear it in his face. <laughs> I mean, he was a nice guy, but he had Dave Grohl. He's like, why is this kid trying to learn to play to a click track right now in front of me? Like, let's get this record done. And at one point, I was just said to Dave, I just said, listen, dude, I, I, I just don't think I can do this. Um, and I was battling the demons a bit back then as well. And I was, you know, and I was just like, I just don't think I can do I was just so scared. And he said, um, kind of chokes me up a <laughs> little he just held my hand through us. And he's like, you're gonna play some drums on this. And I did half the drums on it because he fucking held my hand through it. Like that older brother, best friend does. So there you go. And that's why we're here today, you know? Cause he knew that he wanted me there with him as a friend, as a family member, as his younger brother that he can fucking rubber finger and he's like, he wants, you know, <laughs> that will, that, that ultimately totally looks up to him and wants to make him happy. And also he knew that there was just something that we create on stage. And I, and I know that, and that's really, you know, there's been some records where I've really got to get in there a lot. Um, and you know, show what I do, um, on the drums. But a lot of times they're, you know, they're Dave's demos that I'm, just recording on a certain level, and that's fine too. Um, I'm not always my favorite, but I get it done. And um, if he has a certain thing in mind that he wants for sure, and um, and then we get the record done, and we go out and play it live, and we fucking just lose our minds up on stage in front of people, and fucking leave every bit of our fucking sweat and souls and blood and sore necks and. It, back problems and tendonitis on the stage for everyone to fucking you know come see <laughs> was, was it a triumph to have done the half no, i was surprised i did that right so it wasn't it wasn't like what about the other fucking half no, no, just like no, this no, is a great I, start I, I, yeah, I, 
I'm on half a record. Let's go. <laughs> oh my god, I made it. I'm on half a fucking record. I'm fine with this, you know. Aurora, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of my favorite songs that we've ever recorded in my it's life. It's one of the greatest and, songs, and that's yeah. That's me playing drums. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. That was another one of those first moments where, you know, I do my little snare rolly things that he doesn't really do. And he pushed me to do that, like be you, do your little marching snare things that you love to do and that you do just from listening to, you know, a lot of, you know, big country or whatever the fuck, you know, <laughs> YouTube with big country when I was a kid and when I was 12 or 13, you know. At the end, and start doing that stuff, and that's not a Dave thing. That's me, and and that was a moment where I well, he never practiced this rudiment enough. Did he? No, he's he's, a, he's such a unique drummer. Yeah. I mean, he's such a unique musician. The way he plays drums. That's why when I have to play Everlong or Monkey Wrench, I'm just like, well, it's just never gonna be as good. It's it'll be different, but it'll never be as good because Dave has a certain sound that he does when he plays drums that is all his own, and I just don't sound like that. And that's okay, because I'm me. Damn it, I'm me. But Dave, but Dave has fostered that, you know. He really has. He he, he made sure it gave me enough space to grow. No pun intended. We should play enough space. Um, you gave me enough space to grow, you know, and be a musician. And now I now I can come in here because after watching Dave for all these years. I can come in here by myself or with an engineer um, and I can record a fucking demo. I could play you one I did the other day and I learned to do that from Dave. So I can put down a drum track. I can put down some scrappy guitar tracks. I can put down a Steinberg bass track yeah. and, uh, and I can lay vocals and pepper it with harmonies and, and I can make, uh, I've made records on my own. Yeah. Um, that from just from watching Dave. I'm trying. You can see I'm doing everything in my power to put as much water in me. Good for you. Yeah, I have to. I won't be tired. My muscles will be tired, but I won't be tired. I will be because the adrenaline takes half of your energy away from you right away, mm. and then um, it doesn't necessarily give it back to you until maybe the second half of the show. It will be interesting to know how everyone feels after tonight's show, because it's really a killer, man. It really is. We did, we did uh, that show, um, the vaccination concert thing, and um, we didn't practice very much for it, and we were okay. We we're fine, but we could have been better. And I think I never. I mean, I didn't even think about it, but um, all of a sudden, I saw like two and a half weeks of rehearsals before this. And I was like, oh, good, 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 good. We need to rehearse. This is good. So we've been really rehearsing. You, you haven't done in like a decade, right? Yeah. Well, it's been a while. And it's been a while since we really had that time. 
it seems like we're just because of all the other projects that Dave has as far as filming stuff and doing all these other things, it just seems like the yeah, that we just we've just kind of always in this race to to get this done and the video done and and then we have kids and all of us have children going to school back and forth and uh you know, it's a race to uh try and, and, and get practiced up enough. Right. To get to that point you are in when you're halfway through the tour or your, you know, muscle memory kind of takes over and, you know. It's still tiring even then. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. I need to learn to play. I was talking to Matt today and I was like, I'm lowering my hi-hats and snares so to be a little bit more economical. But you see, you know, I'm still a spaz. But like, yeah, I'm trying really hard to figure out how to continue to keep the intensity of a young man in a 50 year old's body, which is very difficult. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. I'm not whining. I'm really not. Yeah. As you sit in my mansion and did nails, I'm not whining. I'm just saying it's hard. It's fucking hard work. It's one of those things people don't think about either. They just think that like we fly around everywhere, which we do in really nice hotels, which we do. And in big backstage areas with tons of food and people asking what we want. If you want a sandwich every five minutes, which we do, but all we have all that, but it still doesn't change the fact that you have to get up there and kick ass for, for two and a half hours. And we don't, I, we don't know how to phone it in. Unfortunately, we've never learned that ability. I mean, I don't know how someone really could. I really don't know. I was talking about this with someone. We've now seen lots of rock bands keep playing when they get older. Yeah. Your brand of music is probably more intense and more physical than a lot of the I mean, I look at Metallica and I say, oh my God, I feel bad for you guys for writing those songs. That's the first kid. That's the first people I think of. Yeah, I'm like, how don't you guys are fucked? Like, Lars, good luck. But you, I mean, compared to what Roger Taylor, well, compared to what Queen has to play, like you're- Yeah, no, it's, tennis, yeah, right? no, it's yeah, like, it's yeah. definitely, we're, because, because the roots are based in punk rock energy, slight prog rock leanings. I mean, Rush is always in mine and Dave's music, you know, whether, whether anyone wants to admit it or not. Uh, Pat Smear, definitely not, you know. <laughs> I heard he likes Genesis. <laughs> no, he likes Yes. Yeah. He loves Yes. But he would never like say, I want to play Yes. Right. Like he loves yes, and he does. And funny enough, he actually does know how to play yes stuff. That's funny. He just doesn't want to practice it, and you know, he's not that interested. Right. I mean, the thing is, Pat is the coolest human being on the planet Earth. Yeah. <clears throat> You're never gonna win in the coolness contest with Pat Smear. He wins. Right. He's the winner. Everything he says is just like, God, you fucking Jesus. <laughs> so, did you interview him yet? Yeah, yeah, he's cool as fuck. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he's, he's our spirit animal <laughs> and he's a damn good guitar player he actually really he's a fucking amazing punk rock guitar player he really is he's more than that though he can play all this stuff he can play this shit he just doesn't want to have to <laughs> he's a little lazy sometimes his favorite his mantra is give me the least amount to do <laughs> like if i'm like why didn't i get to sing back i wanted to make you know he's like Someone will be like, hey, uh, we actually don't need you to play guitar on this. Pat's like, killer. Awesome. Amazing. So I can leave. Yes. <laughs> no pride about that whatsoever. That's hilarious. He's such a, it's such a good lesson as well. I mean, the lessons I learned from him and Dave are two different kind of lessons. And, um, you know, from Pat, it's like, like to always remain... <clears throat> 
not giving a shit. Yeah. You know, and to, to, from Dave, it really is work ethic. Yeah. It really is. A, it's a big one is work ethic. Dave was saying how different you guys actually are as drummers. Oh yeah. So like how I put a, there's two, there's a simple way to put it. Yeah. If he is the disciple of John Bonham, I'm a disciple of Stuart Copeland. I mean, that is really kind of the easiest way of putting it. That I'm an on top, I push just more like that, where Dave is not lazier in the sense of being a lazy person, but his feel is behind the beat, behind the beat more. I mean, he's actually got more of the preferred feel for like a studio drummer or something like that. It was never my goal to sound like Dave. I mean, as much as I love his drumming and and, and totally um, wish I had some of the skills that he, some of the skill set that he has as a drummer, um, just that, that behind the beat, big giant thing that he does, which, you know, no one could play Nirvana the way he plays Nirvana. And like I said, when I have to play his songs from the first two records, it's, it just doesn't sound like him. Um, and that's fine. And that's, they sound like they were recorded off the one by one album or something, you know? And that's just the way it is. And I think, and that in itself lends itself to us, what we are as a band, which is a very organic live, especially live. We really are an organic live, tight, loose band. Like all of our favorites. Right. You know, like Queen, like Led Zeppelin, like fucking Rush, like Van Halen, like all of them. Then you go listen to board tapes from Van Halen. and They're not perfect at all. Nothing's perfect. Right before I left Taylor's house, he got in his drum kit, put on headphones, and played something for me. The entire audience was me and his publicist, Steve Martin. Wanted to leave you with just a tiny bit of that before we go. I'm going to try to play Out of Love by Van Halen really quick. Let's see if I can do it. I did it the other day. Sort of. Gave it my best shot. And I thought I was getting there. that's our show for today I wanted to send thoughts out to all of Taylor Hawkins friends and family and his bandmates Rolling Stone Music Now will be back next week we're on Sirius XM volume channel 106 and we are primarily a podcast download us wherever you get your podcasts subscribe to us maybe leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts that's always particularly appreciated but as always Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week.
Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.